The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and I'm back with Career Contessa coach, Marnie Lamonic, who y'all loved in our 2024 Workplace Predictions episode. Marnie's back for us to discuss five things you should take off your resume right now, what recruiters really want to see in 2024, and how to get your resume to win more job offers. Plus, Marnie is offering a free career coaching session to one lucky listener. To enter the giveaway, follow these steps. Step one, follow both Career Contessa and Marnie Lamonic on Instagram. I shared both of those accounts in the show notes as well. Step two, leave a comment on today's reel that Marnie created for the episode on either the Career Contessa account or Marnie's, whichever one you want, and then share one thing that you learned in today's episode in the comment section. Step three, the winner will be selected by Thursday, January 4th, end of day, and sent a direct message to claim their prize. All right. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. If you've ever found a job you wanted to apply to, it was probably quickly followed up by the questions of number one, can I even find my resume? And two, is my resume even good enough? As a former recruiter and a person who actually loves talking about resumes, I know I may be the minority, but I know how important the role a resume plays in getting you interviews, providing the hiring manager context to ask you great interview questions. And it's just a great marketing tool for you to share even when you're passively job searching. Another person who looks a lot at resumes is Marnie Lamonic. She is a career contessa coach. Hi, Marnie. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, I should say. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. So Marnie is here to share five things that you need to take off your resume right now. And I think the most natural place for us to start, Marnie, is what is happening in the job market right now? Yeah. Well, knowing that we're kicking off 2024, I did want to highlight the job market and what happened in 2023, just because that'll be a good look into what we're heading into here. And ultimately, even though job postings and job openings did fall considerably due to a looming threat of a recession and unfortunately some layoffs, as I know a lot of folks are aware of, we didn't have the number of layoffs that was originally expected. So we did land in a slightly stronger place at the end of 2023 than most experts predicted. The data that I think will be most relevant to the Career Contessa community, though, when it comes to job postings, is there was a significant decrease from 2022 to 2023 in remote-focused roles. And I know a lot of people are excited about remote work. Indeed had their U.S. job postings index for 2023. And in there, they highlighted that the volume of job postings and marketing HR, software development, and communications were all down at least 30% compared to those numbers in 2022. So it'll continue to be a bit of a competitive market, at least for the early part of this year, hoping to see that turn around. But when we're working in a competitive job market, obviously, one of the first things that you can do to really stand out is to have a stellar resume. So that's what we're going to dive into today. And in general, when I talk about resumes, the biggest mistake that I see is people overcomplicating the process, overcomplicating the document itself. So we'll have a theme of simplicity and talking about how you can be really concise, but still effective throughout all these tips. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's dive right into it. So what's the first resume thing we need to remove? I want to start with a more focused tip on formatting before we get into the content itself. And so my first formatting tip is to remove wasted space. As I'm sure a lot of you have heard, your resume should ideally be one page. And that's because the space on your resume is 
super precious when it comes to talking about your qualifications and what makes you the obvious candidate for any given role. A really common mistake that I see with wasted space is not necessarily that there is a lot of space in between each section or a lot of true white space as people think of it, but it's often people using a really fancy Canva layout or something that's maybe a little bit more artistic than what they need. Obviously, we love something that's pleasing to the eye, but my personal preference on resume is always the more simple, the better. And when you have less wasted space, you're able to put more of that content that matters. But the other side of the coin is it's easier to find the information about you that recruiters want to see. An anecdote that always stuck with me during my career is I used to be on a recruiting team and my manager would review hundreds of resumes a day. And she would always explain to me that it was frustrating when someone had an overly fancy layout because she wasn't sure where to look for their education year. So just getting a really quick snapshot on when they graduated college. Such a simple thing. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But for her, she needed to be able to find that information quickly so she could do the mental math of how many years of experience someone had and to see if they were qualified for that given role. So something as little as just being able to find your education information really does matter when someone's looking at your resume for a matter of a few seconds. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny when we would review resumes at Hulu, it was always so overwhelming to sometimes look at a bunch of resumes, which is why I liked LinkedIn profiles because they were all formatted Mm -hmm. the same. So I knew immediately where to look. But so that really goes with your tip of like, make it fast and easy for me to find what I'm looking for. If my number one thing is where did you go to school or your graduation year, which a lot of times further on in your career, none of that matters. But then it matters like, where did you work? What was your job title? That kind of stuff should not be hard for us to find. So I love that. Do you want to give some actionable tips on this? I, I think you had a couple related to header and, you know, being the top candidate, that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. I know wasted space is a pretty vague term. And obviously when you look at a resume, you don't want it to be too text heavy to where it's hard to read. So I wanted to give some actionable tips to make sure that this was rooted in something that you all could take as a follow-up. So a few questions that I like to run through with my coaching clients when we chat resumes. The first is just notice where is the most blank space on your resume. Most people are going to have extra room in the header section, which makes sense, right? You want your name to stand out a little bit. You want to have your contact information. That's all good and great. But the thing that you want to make sure you're avoiding is having a big fancy header by jeopardizing the other parts of the resume. So what I mean by that is if you have a really large header, but you don't have enough room to have three bullets under each role that you have, or you don't have enough room to include a skills section, then you want to look at maybe tightening that header a bit and tightening wherever the wasted space currently lives, because you want it to be pleasing to the eye, but ultimately you want to get all the most important info on there. Like you just spoke to Lauren, whether it's your roles, education, depending on where you're at in your career level wise. The second question you want to ask yourself is a little bit harder. And it's, does my resume make it obvious that I'm a top candidate? We'll dive into content and tips around this slightly later in the episode, but really you want to make sure that you have space for the relevant skills, your proven track record of success when it comes to similar roles, or if you're transitioning into a completely new industry and you want to highlight some transferable skills, you want to have space to explain that as well. 
So it's really crucial that all those things are present on your resume. And if they're not, you maybe have a pretty headshot or you have a cool layout, but you're missing the depth of who you are, then it doesn't matter how nice your resume looks because it's not conveying the message that you need it to convey. Yeah, those are really good points. There's a founder of this company called Teal. His name's David Fano, I think uh, is how you pronounce it. And he has a saying where he's like, show the 10% of you that is 100% relevant to them. And I think Mm. that's really a good way for you to kind of gut check to your point about like, am I using this extra space wisely or am I taking up space that doesn't show how I'm relevant to them? And then also you said something about one page. And I think people always are like, oh, one page. And it's like, but again, it's the 10% of you that's the most relevant to them. I even sometimes will say for the title, call it relevant experience, which just kind of nods to the person. Like I have more experience. I'm just showing you that 10% piece. So really good tip. All right. What's the second resume thing that we need to remove? Yeah, the second one I think is going to be different than what you've heard before. I think wasted space is pretty common advice, but something that we've been talking about just amongst the coaches here at Career Contessa is the idea of rethinking an objective statement. So replacing an objective statement at the top of your resume with a summary of achievements. So still really getting at the core goal of probably what you wanted your objective statement to do, right? Communicate that you are a strong candidate and do it in a way that's a little bit more high level across your whole career compared to the role-specific notes that you're going to have later on in your resume. But if you can anchor on your achievements rather than doing a more traditional objective statement, it's helpful from the hiring manager's perspective because exactly to what you just said, Lauren, it's the 10% of you that's 100% relevant to the job that you're applying for. And we were doing some research and prep for this episode. And there's actually a resume writer, Adrian Tom, who posts a lot on LinkedIn with resume tips. If you want to follow her, she always has a lot of good stuff. But she talked about this specifically and really stressed the importance of answering what's in it for the hiring manager. So as you're putting your resume together, it doesn't have to be every single detail about you. And it doesn't have to be every single accomplishment you've had. But what accomplishments throughout your career do you feel like are extremely relevant to the role that you're applying to? So I do want to dive in to some actionable tips on how to actually do this, because I know this all sounds great in theory, but how to put it together is normally where folks have a trickier time. So I have a few more tips for this one. It's a little bit meatier just because I think there's a lot of stuff to dive into. The first piece, which we've already spoken to a little bit, is really getting clear on the role that you're applying for and what types of skills you would like to utilize in the future and backing into your accomplishments that way. So another coach here at Career Contessa, Claire Feiner, always talks about the importance of putting in accomplishments that are tied to the role you want to do and not necessarily tied to roles that you've done in the past, but you don't want to do anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. If you're transitioning to, I know this can be a challenging line to toe because obviously you only have certain experience in one industry. You want to go to another. I had a client who was in this exact same scenario recently, and she works in the insurance industry and she wanted to transition into HR. So a way that we bridge that gap was In insurance, she has a lot of experience looking into detailed insurance policy changes. So she has to do a lot of research. She has to stay up to date on the latest local laws as it relates to insurance. And moving into HR, she'd have to do that same thing, but with employment and labor laws. So we were able to bridge the gap between those 
two experiences by really focusing on the accomplishment or the skill, which was her ability to do really in-depth research and keep everything super organized. Yeah. I love that. I also think that when you are transitioning and you are struggling with how am I going to show them that I'm the right person for the role? I've had a lot of people give career coaches, not just people, career coaches give the advice that just start pretending you are doing that role right now. So if you, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, you want to work in HR, do something like that, and you're in insurance, what parts of that job description could you start doing in your job today, which might make it easier for you to kind of conceptualize and write out those bullet points too. So, you know, for example, the law thing is, is a, that's like pretty easily int- easy transferable, but maybe it's people management. Okay. And insurance, like, okay, is there someone on your team that you could start having, you know, weekly one-on-ones with, or, or it's just like, again, this is maybe I'm just pulling this example out of the top of my head, but my mm-hmm. point is like, what parts of the job that you want to do, could you start doing today? Yeah. I think that's super smart. And also shows that even though you're not there yet, you're willing to put the work ethic in to get there. Yeah. Okay. What other tips do you have? Yeah, so we have two more actual tips before we move on to the next thing we want to remove. The second piece that I wanted to speak to is how to determine your key strengths and career accomplishments if you're not sure where to start. The goal of having a summary at the top of your resume is really to think about your career holistically. I had a client recently who had a lot of years of experience and she kept saying that she didn't feel like her magic formula was pulling in. And it was like each of these individual roles was showing how she excelled, but she wanted something that really showed across the board. I'm a great professional. I'm a great hire because of X, Y, Z. So a helpful way to do this is if you have a standard resume, you already have your roles laid out and your bullets within each section, try and find a through line between those. So is the answer, okay, I've been a really great client partner throughout my career and I've turned a lot of hard relationships around. I've retained a lot of clients through trying times in the larger economic environment, whatever's going on. Or it could be that you've always been really trusted with data and you've been an expert on that throughout your whole career. Your team has come to you. You've been a thought partner when it comes to improving processes around data. If you can find that through line that is true across your most recent roles, or even just a few of your roles that will help you pinpoint, okay, what makes me a superstar and what's my superpower outside of any individual role that I've had. Yeah, absolutely. I was also just thinking if you're really struggling with this, you could copy all your bullet points, put into chat GPT and ask chat GPT to write a resume Mm. summary for you. Not because I think you should use it, but because I think it will help just get the wheels turning the inspiration. And, you know, I'm all for, you know, some shortcuts and helping this process be a little faster. I also just because we're talking about formatting. So just if you guys are following along, it's like your contact information at the top. And then you would have this instead of an objective, you would have your career summary or career highlights, career achievements, whatever you want to call it. And these would also be bullet points. So it's not, I know normally when you think of an objective, it's like a written out paragraph. What, what Marnie's referring to is bullet points up at that very top. That would be like, again, career achievements, and then you would go into work experience. So I just wanted to clarify that in case anybody's trying to follow along with like what their resume is actually looking like. Yeah, no, I love that call out. And it brings me to my third actual tip, which is 
Where possible, you can use this summary career achievement section at the top to even add in specific language tied to the role that you're applying to. So when we talk about a crowded job market and ways that you can stand out, a lot of folks are not customizing their resume to each individual job. And we're not necessarily asking you to do that because we know that that takes a lot of time. But you can have a template of this career achievement section and you can leave a bullet or two open to add something custom for the role that you're applying to. So whether it's saying that, you know, this aspect of XYZ role ties in really nicely with this accomplishment I've had throughout my career. There's a nice marriage of what I bring and what I'm interested in at this company. Just throwing in one or two bullets that are customized to that role can really help show that you care about the job. And it's the same thing as writing a cover letter. It's the same thing as following up on your applications. It's really just the ability to demonstrate that it's a job that you want. And it's not just one of 10 jobs you're applying to today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. Okay. Let's move into the third resume thing that we need to remove. Yeah. So now we're transitioning into the actual content of the resume. We've talked a lot about formatting and I want to dive in with the mistake that I see the most often, which is removing bullet points that only explain duties of your job. So you want to replace bullet points that talk about what you did in your job with how you made an impact or how you overperformed in your role. I feel like this is another pretty common one that you hear when it comes to advice, but it's common for a reason. I see this on almost every single resume that I review just because people often don't know what to put. And they're also, I think, concerned that if they don't explain what they did in that role, that someone's not going to know. And there's this trend of over-explanation that you just simply don't need. There's another coach here at Career Contessa. We surveyed a few folks before this episode, Jenna Dobrin, and she had a really good way of framing all of this, which is your resume should be your greatest hits album. And if you think about your resume as your greatest hits album and you double tap into the experience section specifically, it makes it a lot easier to say, okay, What are the three things that I'm most proud of from this role? Was it overachievement towards a goal? Was it a way that I made an impact and made it easier for my larger team? And then if you're not including every single duty that was in there, that's okay. Because it's your greatest hits album. It's your highlight reel. It's not the full novel. So I think that helps take the pressure off a little bit. It goes back to that 10% of you that's 100% relevant to them. You know, I I love all these metaphors or examples. However, you need to remember this, (laughs) pick one and write it down. Yeah, no, it's so true. And thinking through just how to actually write out these achievements and how you've made an impact if you're looking to redo the experience bullets in particular, a good rule of thumb is always to start with any performance you have towards a goal. So if you have roles where you had monthly quotas or some kind of goals to hit, you're in a better spot than most. That makes it a lot easier because you can highlight those metrics and really show how you performed or ideally overperformed within any given role. And I'll give you a quick example so you have something tangible as well. When you have goal-oriented roles, I always like to say include how you overachieved on that goal, but also try and put it in a percentage format because that tends to just have more of a wow factor, especially if you overperformed. So a good example is if you're thinking about maybe a sales role that you've had and say you brought in $100,000 in additional revenue 
for a given year against your annual quota. Instead of just saying that $100,000 number, you can say achieved 150% to quota in 2023, resulting in an additional $100,000 in revenue. So you're showing not only did I bring X amount of money in, but it was also above what I was expected to do. And this is really important for any sales or sales type roles, because how larger book of businesses and the goals that are set for you are going to be so different by company. So whether you are bringing in $100,000 or $2 million, the person who's looking at your resume isn't necessarily going to know, okay, is that good or bad compared to their peers? So that percent to goal really helps show that you are a top performer. And then if you don't have goal-oriented roles or metrics to pull in as easily as say a quota. I know not everyone is in that position. There's still a way to think through what you did at a duty level and really make it plussed up so that your impact is still shining. And in doing research, I found a really good example from monster.com that I wanted to share because I think it hits on all these points. So the original line they had for this hypothetical resume was updated department files. Okay, so that's a duty that you did. You updated department files and their plussed up version of that was reorganized 10 years worth of unyielding files, making them easily accessible to department team members. So we even got a little metric in there because they threw in the 10 years and reading that updated version of the bullet I can now tell, okay, it was a really big undertaking. You weren't just updating files. It was this messy project. Probably no one wanted to touch it for 10 years. There were a lot of issues or complications you had to work through in getting that organized. And then the most important part, the impact of everything you did, now your whole team can access the files more easily. So you just made life easier for yourself, your teammates, and your future teammates and had a lasting impact on the organization, which really shows that you are the strong performer that you want the hiring manager to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also another little cheat sheet item. If you guys are struggling, you could always put it into chat GPT and say, write Mm -hmm. resume achievements with metrics based on these job responsibilities. Again, I wouldn't use it perfectly, but I I think it just kind of gets the wheels of inspiration going along. All right. What is tip number four for the fourth resume thing that we need to remove? Tip number four is to remove repetitive words, especially when it comes to action verbs that lead each bullet point. I will caveat that when it comes to resumes in general, everyone has their own personal preferences on what they think is right and wrong. And this is definitely a personal preference of mine because as a hiring manager, I have looked at resumes as a way to be able to tell how someone can articulate their impact in a written way. And I think that includes varying your vocabulary. It's ultimately just one page. So you shouldn't need to repeat achieved or exceeded a million times because there are really easy ways to replace it. And I think that this is especially true if you're applying to any role that has to do a little bit more with writing. So if you're doing anything with emails, it's obviously important that's still written communication. But if you're applying for a copywriter job or anything that's more editorial, I would say plus 100 to all of this, because you want to make sure that every piece of your application shows that you're a great writer, have a strong command of language, all that good stuff. Yeah, agreed. And when it comes to actionable tips, I think this is probably the easiest one to implement, just because you don't have to give too much thought to it. When you're thinking about the order of updating your resume, 
you can do this as a final step after you've already updated all your experience bullets and you feel like you have them in a place where they're really showcasing your impact at a given role. You can simply go back and say, okay, I have used achieved four times. Yeah. Let me look up other options for that. And if you do a Google search of action verbs for resumes, it will yield many, many options and you can simply replace them. If you feel like updating one of the verbs is going to mess with the structure of the sentence and you're just getting down a bit of a spiral and your eyes are glazing over looking at your resume, this is also a really easy way for someone else to help you out. So if you want to ask a friend or if you're working with a career coach, this is a quick way for them to support you where they don't necessarily need to know all the nitty gritty details of what you've done in your previous roles, because you've already handled that piece. You really just need help with polishing the wording. Yeah. I was also, you guys, I'll put it in the show notes, but we have a a blog post on this and we have over 275 action verbs for you to pick from. So I don't want to hear that there aren't enough. Also, I was just going to, I pulled up uh, a version of my resume that, you know, I'm in this space. I'm always trying to work on my resume and keep it updated. So I have as an example for you guys. And so I am going over the words I started with conceptualize, collaborated, remotely led, increased, developed, successfully reduced, collaborated. So that one's times two. Um, end-to-end development, skilled, presented, managed. So those are just like some off the cusp ideas of like action verbs that I've been using. And it would be probably a very easy fix for me to go in and look at that list and be like, oh, could I jazz any of these up again? So I, I love that tip. I think it's so it's, it's an easy win, which we're all for. Definitely. I think the amount of time that people invest in their resumes and the swirl that you can get into is really exhausting. And I think if you show your resume to anyone, probably every single person will have a different edit for you. So definitely protecting your time and trying to work smarter, not harder is super important because you don't want to get burnt out on the resume step. That's barely the beginning of the job search process. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What is the final resume thing that we need to remove? The final thing we want to remove are any vague or obvious skill sets. And I will say I am the queen of soft skills. So I'm not here to hate on soft skills versus hard skills, but I've seen many resumes that list something as a skill when it's more of an accepted common practice in the modern world or just knowledge that a hiring manager would expect you to have. I saw a good example of this in a recent LinkedIn article where they talked about computer literacy. Obviously, we all know how to use computers. (laughs) We all know how to use Zoom at this point. I know that was a big one that was coming up on resumes in the earlier COVID days. But now those things are a little bit more expected. So you don't want to waste, again, that precious space talking about a skill that's, yeah, duh, type reaction from a hiring manager. And I think this can bleed into other skills that maybe we don't think of as too vague. So obviously, computer literacy is a pretty obvious one. But I always like to dig in to even something like communication. Communication is a great skill. A lot of us have it, but there's also a lot of different ways that you communicate in an effective manner. So for the actionable tip for this one, I want to pick apart communication a bit and talk about how you can make it a little bit more specific. So if you have something like communication or even being detail-oriented on your resume right now, really go a level deeper and say, okay, what kind of communication have I done and what experience do I have with communication? Just that one word alone, I came up with three different 
more specific options that you could include. So instead of saying communication, you could say press outreach. If you've done external brand messaging for previous roles, you've worked with the press, that's one type of communication skill. You could say client retention. If you've been owning accounts throughout your career, you have these clients, that's a different kind of communication skill. You're probably really good at conflict resolution, making sure that things stay on track. And then a third option is project management. So again, a totally different skill set for communication. You're kind of being the quarterback for an internal team. You're keeping projects on deadline, but you're still having to communicate effectively both internally and sometimes externally. So all three of those skills still have communication at the heart of them, but it makes it a little bit more specific so that a hiring manager can tell, okay, what type of communication do they have experience in and how relevant is it to the role that we're hiring? Yeah. I think that's like such a good example because I bet everybody has communication on their resume, but yes, could we, could we get more detail oriented with that? These have been like just fantastic tips. And, you know, I think to your point, the goal was to help people simplify. Sounds to me like when you're in your coaching calls, most people come to you with (laughs) overcomplicated resumes. Definitely. Yeah. They normally come with every bullet that they thought would be relevant on there, which I think from a starting perspective, if you think, okay, I have five things to say about this role. I want to put them all on paper. It's always easier to edit something than it is to start from zero. So there's no harm in putting whatever you think is relevant for the first draft and knowing that you're going to want to condense it down later. It's a much easier process than trying to have, you know, the three perfect bullets right off the top. So it's a super common thing that people struggle with. And I think when you think about skills in particular, one other point I wanted to make too, is there's just so much to put in there that we think, again, I have to list every single skill that I have in order for someone to know who I am. But really you want to prioritize any platforms that the job you're applying for is requiring, any hard skills that you have, and then just fill in the blanks with soft skills that really make you shine and that you feel like are relevant to the role. But just because it's not in your resume doesn't mean it's not part of who you are. And I think that's the thing I try and remind people of is you're going to have the interview. You're going to have time to talk about yourself. You're also ideally going to have a cover letter where you can expand upon a few of these roles if you're really excited about the role. So take the pressure off a little bit and know that it's about making it easy to read and relevant to the hiring manager because they're all spending a few seconds max on your resume. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really good tips. So I'm going to wrap up by sharing some of our favorite resume tools. And also you guys know that Marnie is a coach at Career Contessa. We'll put a link to how to work with her one-on-one in the show notes as well. But some other tools I like are job scan, which is a way to scan your resume to, and basically we'll compare it to the job posting to make sure it's got keywords and ATS friendly resume worded teal, ChatGPT, which I mentioned a couple of times. I also have some blog posts and a past podcast episode about that. Our, we have an online course at Career Contessa called the 24-Hour Resume Makeover, we'll, where we will walk you through step-by-step on how to build that master resume and then how to tailor it for each job. We even include the templates. And we're now offering resume reviews via Loom with our resident career coach, Jocelyn Toronto. So we'll put all of those resources in the show notes. My best recommendation is try working on your resume right now. And then if you need additional help and you know resources, kind of someone to give you feedback, then come to Career Contessa and use these tools. Because I think sometimes one of the best places to start is just kind of with self-reflection and looking at it without all the input from everybody else. Because as Marnie pointed out, 
we're not trying to overcomplicate the process for you because the job search has a lot more other steps that also you want to be able to be motivated to spend time on. Marnie, any other final things you want to say as we wrap up? I think just that simplicity is the name of the game. And yeah, to take the pressure off, a lot of folks struggle with resumes. And I think if you're not getting interviews and you're worried that it's your resume, it's probably other aspects of the job search, like just not being noticed and needing to follow up. So invest the time that's needed, but it's not the be all and end all. And just keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, if you need to work with Marnie on your whole job search strategy, that is possible too. So we'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you, Marnie, for joining us again. We love having you here. Thank you. It was so fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Please take your time to rate, review, and subscribe. Little insider tip, one review equals a thousand downloads. And that's the number one way that you can support our show so that you can be back here each week. Plus, don't forget that Marnie is offering a free career coaching session to one lucky listener. To enter the giveaway, follow these steps. Step one, follow both Career Contessa and Marnie Lamonic on Instagram. I shared both accounts in the show notes. Step two, leave a comment on today's reel that Marnie created for the episode on either the Career Contessa account or Marnie's account. It doesn't matter. Choose which one you prefer. And then just share one thing that you learned in today's episode in the comment section. Step three, the winner will be selected by Thursday, January 4th, end of day and sent a direct message to claim their prize. So good luck, everybody.